0: Hi, this is episode ninety nine of Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. I'm very pleased to welcome Band Breen, the founder and chairman of At Cunary, an award-winning executive reputation management and talent branding solutions company, which he funded in 2012. Cunary was listed as one of the five thousand fastest-growing companies in America by Inc. Magazine in 2018, 2019, and 2020. Band started his career as a WPP Fellow and has spent his career in holding company and operating unit leadership roles at Publicis, Tensu and IPG. He was inducted into the Advertising Hall of Achievement in 2010. And in December 2021, Cunary published a report about the changing face of executive reputation, which we will be talking about. But before that, log on my website and download my copy of my ebook, The Entrepreneur Mindset, 7 Tactics to Avoid Being the Bottleneck in Your Business. You'll find the link in the show notes. Interviews is brought to you by SocialPrize, a global remote company that has been providing marketing and communication services since 2005. Their goal? Help you thrive in the new normal. Log on their website to learn more, socialprize.org. And, and I see, and I see, uh, Ben, you are, you are smiling. Yeah. <laughs> what I say. I,
1: I, yeah, no, I just love, I love, I love the idea that, uh, you know, there is probably a point where an entrepreneur really has to be aware of their role in the business. or so the founder needs to be aware of that. So that's a great lesson there.
0: So you've been the bottleneck in your business. Earlier. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm sure I have been, I'm sure I have been. <laughs>
0: Well, anyway, thank you very much for joining me today, Ben.
1: It's great to be here, Laurent. Great.
0: So first question for you. Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurship journey.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, it's great to be on the show. Um, And uh, I would say that uh, I probably spent the majority of my uh, professional career on the edges of, of entrepreneurship. And what I mean by that is... I actually spent the, the, the first two-thirds of my career very much working in large corporations. Um, large corporations that did very you know straightforward things, but I was the person in those organizations that was the gateway to those companies, working with entrepreneurs, working with startup companies. Um, at, at various points, I... I built uh, companies and, and organizations to facilitate that uh, th- that ability to work with those companies. I invested in many, many startups over the years for large companies on behalf of the, those large companies. And along the way, I kind of got the desire to say uh, to, to ask myself, well, you know, if you're on the fringes, why don't you take the jump? at some point. And, and, I, and, and I think it was really with Canary where I, I felt like I had a really strong enough idea to do that. And so I took the leap about a decade ago to start this company that focuses on uh, offering executives the, the ability to make the most of their online presence and grow it. And so we've built a technology that supports that effort um, we started out, uh, humbly in a, in a very, very, uh, dingy first floor office in New York city, uh, just me and, uh, my, my, one employee. And and now we have offices around the world, uh, and we're approaching uh, almost 200 employees. So there you go. What do you remember? What was the tipping point when you said, okay, I'm going to do it yeah i do uh and it it, it's it's funny um and i i I don't mean to cast cast aspersions on large organizations but but uh you know what happens in large organizations is that they are constantly reorganizing themselves so anybody who has ever studied companies like microsoft will be through the whole process of how they essentially reorg almost every six months they have different titles etc and and i i found myself in a situation at one of the, at my last large company where they where, where, where i had just essentially solved some problems and was growing one of their business units and after about six months and they wanted to reorg it again and restructure the whole thing into another, another construct. And, and, and for me, it was just, it was just too painful <laughs> to go through another reorg. Um, uh, just seemed, seemed like uh, kind of uh, shifting the papers or, you know, whatever it is called, you know, m- moving the chairs around on the, on the Titanic type of idea. Um, it, it just didn't seem like it was worth the time and effort. And and I, I'd found a, a, this area that I wanted to focus more on. And um, I just didn't see the interest in, in my larger company to that, that they wanted to spend the same amount of time and effort that I did on this niche area. And so it just seemed it seemed like the right opportunity. You know, when I I originally had the concept, I wrote it up quickly and I just kind of put it away for a while. Then I pulled it back out and I shared it with um, people that are more knowledgeable from a technology perspective than me. And um, they beat the crap out of me. They basically told me, you know, my idea was wrong in a million different ways. And that that pushed me to, to think about it again and restructure it again, and finally, it led to what became Canary, and uh, that's the business that we have today.
0: You and another employee, you studied Canary you know, ten years ago. Today, several offices, you said, two hundred people. Yeah. So, in ten years, can you tell us about the different stages of growth that you have seen?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting process. So we our journey probably has been it's been unique in and probably has some familiar traits to it but um, because I was relatively late uh, in terms of becoming an entrepreneur you know I was I was 40 years old at the time I'd I'd had a, a a relatively successful career in the advertising and marketing world I had a a of a long list of partners and investors uh, that I could call upon when I wanted to start the business. And so in fact, the initial fundraising process for us, as a for me as a business, uh, went quite easy, easily. And in fact, I, uh, I, I think we raised almost a million dollars within, Almost like forty eight hours. I mean, it was it was it was really really really, it was really (laughs) fast. It was really fast. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs
0: are going to be jealous when we're going to hear that.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. But but well, well. I mean, I mean, I I take that. I think there's kind of two types of entrepreneurs. If if it's a twenty something entrepreneur, absolutely, you're going to be jealous. Because, you know, the reality is it's a totally different situation when you're starting from nothing, you know, nobody, you really don't know any better, you know, you're taking a different type of a risk. Whereas when you're a veteran and a veteran entrepreneur, i.e. someone who's had a career and then they become an entrepreneur, you know, it's, it's really one of the key things that the, the advantages that that older entrepreneur has is their Rolodex, you know, they do have do have those levels of connection. So in fact, actually, um, you know, that was great. We got going um, and, and uh, I hired my first employee, uh, which was actually the, the, he's now the CEO of the company. He uh, but at the time, he was the, one of the analysts for one of my early investors. And I, I, I said, look, i you know, I love your money, but I want to hire this analyst. <laughs> he, he totally gets what we're trying to do. And uh, so we, we hired him, or I hired him and, and started to build out that core team, took the MVP to the next level to shape it into a real product. And then we went to market. And that first phase was quite interesting. You know, our, our model was basically at the time to deliver kind of a, an analysis of a person's online presence. Um, and then that was really it. it was, that was the product. It was kind of an analysis and a, a scoring system. And it was a freemium product. So the idea was that you'd go to a website, you could utilize it. And, and in fact, actually, I think we got something like 34, 35,000 people to sign up and use it um, in relatively quickly uh, when we launched it. And so we were very excited. This is probably month six or something that we're in. And we're thinking we're crushing it. And then uh, we started to try to offer um, services that, uh, that would cost a little bit on top of the freemium model. And there was zero interest. <laughs> there was like <laughs> negative interest in anything that would cost money. And we realized that the 34,000 people that we'd signed up with uh, so far were mostly college kids that had found our product to just assess their, assess their online presence before they go get a job somewhere. And so we, we, we realized that we needed to evolve the model a little bit. And that's that was probably the first big shift we started to make because i i had kind of a i had kind of a horrible night and i was you know asking myself like what the hell did i do i threw away my this great career in advertising and and uh, i i went to commiserate with uh, a, a very close friend of mine he's a, 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 a very successful uh, executive and marketer. And um, he said, well, tell me more about the product. And, I, and I, I walked him through the whole thing. And he said, oh, this is amazing. You know, uh, I would roll this out at my company. At the time, he was the CMO of one of the Fortune, a Fortune 500 company. He said, come in tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll roll this out. And he ended up becoming our first executive client. And we realized, in fact, actually, we had more of a subscription-based business, really for professionals, and so we shifted the model to really focus on that executive audience and uh, started to reshape the product to, 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 to their needs. And it, it, over, over time, you know, the first evolution past that was that we realized, well, the analysis of evaluating someone's online presence was, is important as a starting point. But when you want to have a relationship with them, you really have to manage and help them Build a, a greater presence, so we started to build more more tools into our system that you know generated thought leadership content for them, help them grow their audience, things like that, and um and and that was really the next phase. And then the big kind of growth spurt happened when we launched our mobile app. The ma- mobile app was, uh, I think that was probably in maybe 2000, late 2014. 2015. That was the game changer because it made it so easy for executives to manage the whole experience. That was really the moment where the company kind of basically just started to take off. And then I would say that the big thing that we've been able to do between the two th- that the mobile launch and maybe 2019 was to simplify, 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 and 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 make sure that we're building a scalable model right so one of the things that can happen at a startup is is that you you know you start to have a million of million ideas and you end up with you know 50 product groups of which only one of them makes money and so You know, one of the great things is that we have a team which is very creative, very innovative, but also extremely pragmatic. And having those two voices and two uh, dimensions has been critical for our success. You know, we've very much been very focused on not getting too ahead of ourselves, right? So I'm, I'm one of those annoying people, Laurent, who, you know if you get me started, I'll start to tell you all about the metaverse and all of the exciting things there. And we gotta be thinking about it. And, you know, and if you ask me then, well, how are you gonna make money? I'd be like, oh, don't worry about that. You know, we'll figure it out, right? <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the reality is that a successful uh, a enterprise has to has to make sure they're ahead, but not too far ahead. I mean, it's a really important lesson uh, you know, so so you want to sell sell a vision, but not too far of a vision, um, and 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 make sure that you kind of shape that, and the, and, and and of course you can kind of then once you have become hugely successful, then you can start to do lots of crazy stuff, like uh, you know like an Elon Musk, but you got to be a multi billionaire, and that that takes <laughs> that doesn't happen for many of us. So there you go. <laughs> not, it hasn't happened for me, so not yet. <laughs>
0: So be ahead, but not too far
1: ahead. Can you can you explain a bit more? So, so what I think happens is that when you go and raise money and you start to build things, um, you want to be exciting for investors and customers in the sense that you're showing them a new way, but you don't want to be so radically different that they can't even comprehend what you're doing in in their world so so i guess what i mean by that is there is some really cool stuff going on in web 3.0 right now and some stuff that's happening in the ledger based blockchain world of which is so some of it is so esoteric so so bleeding edge that it has almost no value today like Like it's certainly, I'm glad that people are spending money developing it and I'm sure they'll, they'll do well at some point, but for, for maybe like more pragmatic entrepreneurs, you really thinking about kind of how do you offer value now and how do you offer that value in a way that it bridges to that greater vision you might have. You might have a futuristic vision, which is important, but don't. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a, ro- a risk. You know, it's, it's one of those, I think, a good example is the world of mobile marketing. So someone who lives in Finland, you'll understand this more than perhaps most. You know, with Nokia and all of the advances in mobile technologies in Finland, You know, there was this idea that mobile marketing was going to be the biggest thing. And um, people started to talk about it and um, pour money in it. And nobody, no customer was fully ready for it, you know, early on. Mm -hmm. And so there was always this talk about people like, oh, mobile, mobile, we're going to do mobile first. Mobile's the next big thing. And it took about 15 years for that whole ecosystem to develop on a global basis and i think that companies that got in too early lost. you know they failed and they because they, they 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 spent they 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 spent all of their money that they they'd raised essentially just educating the market and not building something that was sticky enough didn't offer enough meaningful value to customers in the immediate in the short term basically
0: so you are in reputation management so let's talk a little bit about about that. why is it, what, what is it? why is it so important and why what can entrepreneurs do to have a reputable online presence?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean our, our company was built around a relatively straightforward premise which was that all of us have a, a, a digital footprint and online presence and and that, that that presence actually matters. It matters in terms of the opportunities that you will get as an individual the opportunities that your business will receive in, in its the relations with you the reputation that you have as an individual and the reputation that your business has in fact and 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 I I would say that whilst companies have realized that digital media and uh, and it was is very important from a Uh, enterprise brand building or a product brand building perspective, and that took a long time to get there, but they definitely started to have, are now investing billions of dollars in digital media and marketing. One of the areas where they, where people just didn't wake up to was the fact that their information was online. You know, there was certainly fear uh, in terms of the privacy concerns, but there wasn't a sense that, oh, well, maybe I really need to think about this information. Maybe it's, it's, maybe it, it, there's a currency in some way, you know, related to my online information. And so, um, you know, Canary's purpose is, is really to support and help those, those executives to make the most of that online presence. And it, it matters because, you know, of the opportunities that you'll receive. It also matters in terms of things like recruitment. And retention of people, recruitment in the sense of, you know, if, if you're trying to pull people into your your company, uh, don't be a fool and think that they don't look you up before they come in for an interview, right? They there there's so many people that have ridiculously awful online presences and they expect they're so shocked when great talent doesn't work for their companies. And I'm like, well, dude, you know. <laughs> take take a look at your take a look at your online presence you know you're trying to hire like the best digital talent in the world it it, it doesn't bode well right yeah. so um uh there there are things like that that are obvious uh certainly as as individuals try to manage the 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 thought leadership in the worlds that they can play a more um thought leadership type role in uh connecting yourself with Certain topics is, becomes really really important. So, um, I mean, I I think that it, it it really stemmed from that idea that your online people didn't really understand that their online presence mattered. We've seen you know we've proven over the years that you know a brand will get one to five times engagement you know on things that they're doing in comparison to like twenty to twenty five times engagement levels uh, on a on a on a post made by an executive. So there's it's just so much more of a powerful channel and I think it you know it it really also comes down to another great learning but this learning came late which is you know at the end of the day Laurent I want to talk to you people want to talk to people right I mean I don't necessarily want to talk to Coca-Cola or you know a company right I want to talk to you and and i think that that is one of the the lessons that i have here which is don't remember don't forget like don't 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 forget that people need to sit alongside the brand not behind the brand
0: yeah it ties with my uh, favorite definition of what selling is hmm. selling is a people to people business
1: exactly exactly yeah. yeah and i i think that you know in a world where we constantly hear about fake news and fake information and all these types of things people are are um, gravitating towards sources that seem more authentic, more straightforward to them. And they don't want to kind of, they want to basically talk to people. They want to actually talk to the people that they feel that they know and that they can trust. Right. So.
0: Yeah,
1: indeed. Indeed. And all businesses
0: are made of people. So.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. The other thing for me is that a company is made up of those people and so you'll hear a lot of executives or CEOs give this lip service to talent they'll say things like well the most important thing to me is talent right. Okay, you say that, but what does that actually mean to you. Um, Certainly from a communications perspective it means very little to most companies what we're trying to argue is to say, it should matter a lot because every executive you have in your company essentially dimension, dimensionalizes your story uh, from their point of expertise. And so you need to embrace the fact that, that, that your talent has multiple voices and help them help, help, help develop that. And then also obviously share it.
0: I mentioned in the uh, introduction that in December, 2021, you published a report about the changing face of executive reputation. Can you tell us a
1: bit about it and what were some of the key, you know, learnings? Yeah. So, I mean, you, you, firstly, you definitely can uh, download a copy of it, you know, take a look at um, our website, qnary.com, and you'll see a a link there at the top and the bottom of the page. But we do an annual research study. Um, We do this in partnership with a couple of universities, Emerson College in Boston, and Blanquerna, which is the leading um, communications school in Spain. And, and we do a, a global study of executives' perceptions of, their, of, of online communications and their on, online presence. And, and we've been doing this now for five years. Um, the study continues to grow. It's, I think, the largest study now. Um, out there. Um, and it's been fascinating to see the learnings. The, 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 the report that came out in December was quite interesting on a, on a couple of levels. Um, some areas probably not surprising. Um, some of the stuff that was, uh, it, you know, came out was that during the pandemic, um, usage of social media, digital media channels uh, skyrocketed. And um, the question was whether that would continue in 2021 and it, it only accelerated. Uh, and, and so that was quite interesting. One of the things that was kind of a shocker for people was that it was the first time that we saw LinkedIn have a bit of a drop in terms of its importance of looking up other executives on LinkedIn as a platform. Uh, and we saw the emergence of other channels uh, that we sometimes we would say are more kind of consumer facing or private channels like Instagram and TikTok. And we really wrestled with this one because for years, uh, those channels, in, especially things like Instagram, had not had not really registered heavily on our Uh, executive online index you know wasn't perceived as a kind of a professional channel uh and and so it was interesting for us and so we tweezed through it we asked people and 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 we've kind of come to the realization that millennials now are not so young anymore you know millennials now (laughs) you know millennials millennials now have kids uh they also have important jobs. They're leaders of companies, right? So big companies. And um, as they've matured and they've kind of moved into these larger roles, their media habits have continued with them. And so their expectations are much more multimedia, much more Instagram, much more video, things like that. That to us has been exciting because um, we've been pushing heavily uh, our solution into the video uh, space for the last couple of years. And so it just, you know, we're on a nice trajectory there to develop uh, essentially a much, much, much richer experience for executives to tell their story.
0: Interesting. Let's go back to you. You as you as the entrepreneur. What have you learned about yourself since you became an entrepreneur?
1: It's a great question. In many respects, if you were to talk to the 13 or 14 year old version of me, I saw myself as an entrepreneur back then. Right. I I definitely uh, set up businesses with my the group of friends that I grew up with. Uh, None of them were terribly successful, but we always try We always were setting up various businesses. And I think that that has always been with me, this idea of creation and innovation from a very early age. The reason why I mentioned that is that even though I worked for a long time in large companies, I always kind of saw myself as someone that was always thinking about new ideas and innovation. That's kind of why I was playing that bridge role. And then I I then finally jumped. How is it, you know what does it mean how does it define me it's important to realize how hard it's going to be and how many sacrifices you're going to make to be an entrepreneur and i i don't think many it's it's the right thing for many people you really have to be willing to make a lot of sacrifices and i've sacrificed a lot in my life because of the, the choices i made and some, some I regret. Uh, the, the reality is that it, it, you you really have to be, you have to develop a, quite a thick skin um, to be able to do this. And I would say, the you know, one of the things that I've been able to do is I, I really prepared for this. I saved a lot of money over the years um, when I was, you know, working really with the idea that we were going to, at some point, I was going to take the jump to try to set something up. And and that was helpful, obviously, in, in those kind of lean years as we got things going. It was really important. So and 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 no doubt you're gonna have moments as an entrepreneur where things are quite tough. I mean, even though, you know, I can say today we're growing, it's looks it's exciting, it's successful, etc. You know, we had tough freaking moments over the last 10 years where. You know, you're staring, you know, during, you know, those early days of COVID, I'd say a good 40% of our clients pause the service. Um, You know, I'm looking, I'm staring at the ceiling of my living room, you know, as I stare up at the ceiling from my living room floor going like, what the hell am I going to do? How am I going to meet payroll? Mm -hmm. You know, right. I mean, those are, those are real moments. And, 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 and I love when I talk to entrepreneurs because if, you know, real entrepreneurs, have had to grapple with those issues they they really understand things on the coal face in a way that in a way that large executives have no clue like they just large executives just never have had to think about those types of issues true entrepreneurs are are tough tough SOBs there, you know, you have to, <laughs> you know, it, it really, you really have to be able to go you, to withstand a lot of stress, um, yeah. uh, to, to make it through.
0: Yeah. This is a, a topic, you know, resilience, patience, uh, fortitude that, that this is a topic that keeps on coming up in the conversations that I have with entrepreneurs like yourself.
1: Yeah. And I mean, look, I think that there's lots of Learnings about how to be. I mean, there's different types of entrepreneurs. There's entrepreneurs that raise a gazillion dollars, and they they have perhaps a different path. But I I've always said that with every every dollar you raise, you know, in some ways the pressure just ratchets up more. You just have to be. I I, I sometimes um, I even to this day uh, worry that there's just such a fallacy of the. The moment of success is the raise and not the first dollar made. I see it so many times where I'll sit with young entrepreneurs and, you know, they they have that exciting kind of uh, ego. It is actually it's exciting to me to see it, but it's sometimes like, yeah, well, you know, we just raised, you know. $10 $10 million. And, and I'm like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. You know, that, that is, it's great. Yeah. But then I'm like, I'm doing the math in my head because I've been a VC as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going like, oh, okay. So they probably have about a hundred million dollar valuation and and I'm, I'm like, so what? How does the business look? Where are you guys? And like, oh, we haven't. We're you know, we're pre-revenue. <laughs> and you're like, oh shit! <laughs> like, these guys, <laughs> these these guys are about to have a massive down round, and they're gonna and and this is where you're just like, uh, guys, you know, you're gonna get kicked out of your own company within a year. So uh, that that's sometimes what I I think founders don't realize is you know. The the more, the more the money, the the more those VCs are are watching you and making sure that their uh, you know their their investment is secure, right? So you just have to be careful about that stuff.
0: Yes, it's a great point. Don't worship the money.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is your your big dream for your business? You know, it's a it's a great question. I I think that they they always talk about you know these companies that have these like purpose statements like like Google, et cetera. I think, you know, ours has definitely been to um, help people make the most of their online presence. And, and, and that's been kind of our, our purpose as a, as a, as a functional purpose for the business. As we move on to the next phase, I'm excited to see the company really um, blossom out and, and become kind of a, a true global player. That's very exciting to see that. I don't necessarily think that it, if, if an entrepreneur gets, I would say, too fixed of a view of what success looks like for their business, I feel like that's they're going to end up being really sad people. Because the reality is that whilst we can guide things, it's not necessarily always up to us as to what that endpoint will end up being. And I, what I mean by that is I don't know if we'll become a billion-dollar business um, on our own, and IPO. I don't know if we'll get gobbled up by somebody. We're certainly in many different types of conversations all the time. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So my answer to that really is that I try not to kind of fixate too much on the future Um, As I said, very early on, I think one of the challenges in my career is that I was too much in the future in my brain. And I've really kind of been more conscious about making sure that I'm living in the moment, living present and kind of thinking only maybe two or three moves ahead and not 20. And so that's been my operating model in my life over the last couple of years.
0: It's been exactly the same with me. Like moving yeah. from, you know, one destination to another, one challenge to another, to being more present and not uh, thinking, overthinking. Take yeah. take your, your experience, you know, and if you had one recommendation to give to other entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs, what would it be?
1: If I think about anybody who really wants to be an entrepreneur, um... Certainly, my personal motto is find a way to do it. Don't allow personal excuses to to get in the way of you doing it. If you do it, um, certainly make sure that you've structured it so that you can do it for a couple of years. Because (laughs) this idea that you're going to sit on a unicorn and you can kind of make it happen overnight, it just doesn't happen that often to many people and you really need to kind of find a way to really dig in and 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 do it. So I I would say that that's kind of one of the things and the last thing, thing relates to this kind of running mantra I've had in throughout this whole interview which is make sure that you don't focus just on the long-term future, make sure that you offer value today in the business. And and certainly that value today if you do it right, it, it, it can be designed to build a bridge to that vision of the future, and you can be the company that takes people to that future. But make sure that the value proposition includes something today uh, that captures meaning for folks. Um, it's interesting, you know. We Facebook's a company that's lo- everyone loves to hate these days, but you know the reality is Zuckerberg kind of hit a moment where. He offered something that everyone wanted, which was a social platform. He did it better, much, much better than any of the, his predecessors. And, and yet, really today, if anyone thought of that business as a social platform, they would be totally misguided. You know, it, 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 in fact, actually is a bridge to what he's trying to do now, which is this metaverse, right? He has a much, much richer vision to the whole thing, but... You know, there was a the point of value that he offered early on and I, I would say that 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 all companies are like that right Google right once they offered that search capability it's been a, a, a stepping stone to create a much greater vision that includes much much more than just that basic search but but that was kind of the core so make sure that you kind of think, uh, one step ahead, whilst also maybe thinking down the road, but make sure you crush that first step, dude. <laughs> Amazing. That
0: was a great conversation, Ben. One, one last question. How can people contact you?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, you can always email me at, at Bant, B-A-N-T at dot com. Bant at Canary.com. Uh, you can also find me on channels like LinkedIn and Twitter and uh everywhere basically <laughs> um but if if you email me or if you visit our website and leave a message i'll, I'll be sure to get back to you um it me- means a lot for me to get get in touch with folks so uh, it'd be great to talk to anybody that wants any to have a chat about anything
0: excellent thank you very much for your time today cheers lauren thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss any See you next time. Bye for now.